We're at the Bangalore markets today and I'm Blair. Um, we're about to be local traders in Bangalore. I've got an event on in about two weeks now, which so I'm just making sure everyone at the markets knows about it and if they're interested to come on down and educate themselves a little on what the mainstream media don't tell us. We're doing the first Freedom Summit in Byron Bay, which essentially is bringing, we're bringing 25 speakers from around the globe and nationally to talk about, as I said before, everything that you don't hear about in the mainstream narrative. And that includes sovereignty, money, debt, big pharma, the environment, climate, and a wealth of other topics that are probably too broad to cover in a small amount of time. <laughs> so everything that's important to everyday life, really? Yeah, it affects our everyday life, and a lot, a lot of people aren't aware of the effects and the changes that are happening right now. Okay. We're hoping to bring a lot of that to light and uh, educate and inspire and enlighten some people on the way. Pulling it together was kind of easy because all the speakers were extremely excited to get involved. But logistically, when you're flying people from overseas and trying to meet schedules and they're busy people, it takes about three months. And we're two weeks away now and I've still got a lot to do. <laughs> Is this the first Freedom Summit here that's been held? There's been some small incubator summits. We've done a lot of summits throughout the capital cities. But considering we live here and I think this is an audience here that is a little bit more open to what we're presenting, we thought it'd be a, it's a perfect place. So when people have been to the summit, what would you like them to go away with? Essentially new information and some, some empowerment on how to change possibly the way they live their lives and the way they act within their community and a little bit of knowledge about global issues and we're hoping to bring a lot of solutions based on the Sunday. We've got a lot of speakers talking about the way forward, a new paradigm, you could say. Getting involved is going to freedomsummits.org. Um, you can have a look at the schedule, the speakers we're bringing together, and um, of course we've got local food, local coffee, and about 20 exhibitors as well. It's at the Cavern Bar Centre, which was the Sports and Cultural Centre, and it's October 23, 24, 25, and we've got live music on Friday and Saturday. We've got, we've got Natalie Rise from Blue King Brown playing, a couple of local crew as well. Um, it'll, be, it'll be special. Thanks, Bay FM. They've been really, really avid supporters of this event. Without them, we wouldn't be wouldn't we pull it off. We're all in it together. We sure are. <laughs> Hello. I'm Sarah, and I'm a parent of Bangalore Scout, and we're fundraising to send a group of scouts from Bangalore to the Australian Jamboree in January in Sydney. You're looking great in this outfit here. What's your name? Josh. Josh, how long have you been part of the scouts? Three years. What do you love about it? Uh, I just like the fact that you sort of learn all these different skills and things. Yep. And are you looking forward to going to the Jamboree? Yep, definitely. Have you been to any Jamborees before? No. I've heard that it's two weeks long and there's loads of different activities there. And do you meet all the other scout groups around Australia? Yeah. Uh, there's 10,000 scouts. Parents have donated goods for a raffle. So it's a lovely big prize for first prize. It's going to be drawn in three minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should buy some tickets and stay around. If people aren't in, uh, haven't got a raffle ticket, but they still want to help their kids get to the Jamboree, how can they get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. They can contact the Bangalore Scout Group. 
our leader is Jenny Holden. And Are you Jenny? I'm Jenny Holden, yes. Hello Jenny, how long have you been part of the Scouts? I've been a leader for 28 years now <laughs> and <laughs> I'm currently the leader in charge of Bangalore Scout Group and I'm very excited about our children going to Jamboree which is an opportunity of a lifetime for those children to go to Jamboree. And you must have seen over that time some real growth you know from young boys into men and how it sort of shaped them? Absolutely yes that's one of the things why I'm still here is to see the growth in those children it's just fantastic. Yep. My children were in scouting and I decided they got so much out of it that I should go and put something back in. So 28 years later. <laughs> <laughs> They're not in it anymore and I am. <laughs> Hello. I'm Doug Rowley, I'm a member of the Byron Bay Rural Fire Brigade and we come to the growers market on the third Thursday of the month to fundraise for equipment for our brigade. We were just talking then about the high winds that are here today and how that affects people that want to light fires. Can you give us an idea of you know, the whole permit situation? Okay, from the 1st of September probably through to the 31st of March, dates can vary. Anyone who wants to burn in a rural area has to have a fire permit issued by the Rural Fire Service. And I happen to be one of the permit issuing officers from the Byron Bay Brigade. This is a, a permit which allows them to burn subject to the conditions of the permit and they there are standard conditions and then there can be variable conditions that are put on just depending on the nature of the location of the burn and the size of the pile. The only things they can burn is really green waste, stuff that's too big to compost. You can't burn old furniture, you can't burn polystyrene. A treated pine, for example, is something that should never be burned, even in your domestic fireplace, because of the gases it gives off. How do you monitor it? Because surely people that are tucked up away from nowhere think, oh, I'll just throw that on the fire. Well, we inspect the pile before we issue a fire permit, so that gives us a good idea. And we just rely on people's common sense and integrity. How many permits get applied for on a regular basis? In the last fire permit season, I think we issued something like 120 fire permits. This year, I think we've issued, in the month of September, we've issued probably 25 or 30. Every afternoon, the fire committee meets and decides what the fire danger setting for the next day is going to be. So if it goes very high or above, the fire permit is automatically suspended then of course if it's a total fire ban there are even broader restrictions about what you can and can't do usually due to very high wind but if we have very high wind and very low humidity that's definitely when you see the fire permit suspended that's a very dangerous combination of, of, of factors all the rural fire service trucks are four-wheel drive and compared to fire and rescue we carry a lot more water because we're used to fighting fires in remote locations. How long have you been fighting fires? I've been in the Rural Fire Service for nearly nine years. So initially I was in Rosebank, which is just west of here, up near Minion Falls, and I was a member of the brigade there. And when I sold my farm and moved down to the coast, I transferred to the Byron Bay Brigade. Have you ever had to call on the fire brigade yourself? No, I haven't. <laughs> Luckily, but the, the one great thing about us is we're all volunteers and if anyone feels that they're ever in danger of fire, the one thing they should always do is ring triple O. We never mind coming out. Bazinga!